0: Live to tape.
2: Welcome to Millennials, Season Three, Episode Forty. I'm Andrew.
0: I'm Elisa, and I'm Laura.
2: How are you, ladies, doing this week?
1: Doing pretty well. Good. yeah. I think we sound like we're both on the mend from our previous illnesses.
2: Mm.
0: I know I sounded like garbage for like a straight month. So, yeah, yeah, Yeah. I still have I still have like fluid in my lungs. It feels like it's bad. It's pretty icky.
2: I actually got a little sick too these past few days from somebody who I knew was sick. And I was like, well, I don't care because I want to make out anyway. And then we did. And then I got sick. And then he felt bad, and I was like, "Well, I knew what I was getting myself into, but I do hate you right now.
1: <laughs> you know it's it's funny, Andrew. You could say that a lot of people know what they're getting themselves into <laughs>
2: um, okay,
1: what I'm is that saying. shade about yeah no about i'm that. I'm just saying we have a story coming a little bit later, okay, okay.
2: Well, I've had an interesting week. uh, let me go in chronological order here, so I mentioned on the last episode that I was going to Springsteen on Broadway. Somehow I did survive it. I came out um, crying but alive. And my God, was it good. It was, it was in New York. I went with a, a gay person who's a Springsteen fan who actually listens to the show. I didn't realize this until he told me when we were going up there. I was God like, oh. damn it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I knew he listened to podcasts in the past. I didn't know he currently listens to Millennial. Um, but anyway, so I was like, oh, so you're going to hear me talk about how you're going to see me have a boner while we're at Springsteen. Okay. I didn't realize you were actually going to hear that story. But anyway, so we're sitting, we're sitting in our seats and people, we're on the mezzanine level. That's like the upper level. There's the orchestra, which is on the floor, and then the mezzanine is the second level up. We see people a few rows down from us looking down into the orchestra. And, and and to me, I, I quickly get the uh, idea that okay, there must be a celebrity down there that they're looking at. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, maybe it's Bill and Hillary. They go to theater all the time. We see the photos. Maybe it's a New York local. Uh, maybe it's the mayor. I don't know. It could be a, a whole whole range of people. But I can't see who it is, and people aren't reporting back. And then suddenly, I start to hear whispers. Oprah. It's Oprah. Oprah. And I go, oh my God, it's Oprah. Oprah's down there. And I was like, holy shit, I'm about to see Bruce with Oprah. That is so cool. So then I tweet about it. And then we're leaving. I'm still recovering. I still have a bit of a boner. And we go downstairs to the orchestra's level. And I confirm with my own eyes, there she is, Oprah Winfrey, mere feet away from me. And who's with her? Her best friend, Gayle King. And then once again, I hopped on Twitter. Oh my God, Gail's here too. Oprah and Gail. It was a fantastic night, but don't take my word for it. Let's hear what Oprah had to say. She was on TV the next morning.
1: Hey, Oprah. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Nora. So glad
0: Hi. Glad to be back at the table. No, we're no. glad to have you at the table. Do you want to start with Bruce just to say you were up late because you went to go see Bruce? Well,
1: we were just talking about it. Saw That's Bruce right. Springsteen yeah. last night. And every time I th- think about it, I, I'm tearing up because Same. it was the most searingly beautiful performance I've ever seen a person give. He was so it was so raw. It was yeah. so
0: raw. So, so pure. Mm. You
1: come away feeling more like a human being. It was a one person show. Or well yes it's called bruce <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and, and jeff he I doesn't was so w-
2: pleased that oprah loved it as much as i did and what a raving review right ladies
0: yeah yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> why can't you ever support me why can't you say andrew i'm so happy for you you and I oprah am- loved it
0: andrew i am so happy for you, you hey you
2: andrew
1: i have a confession to make what you mean everything to me?
2: <laughs> you know, I did bring a sign to the show to remind <laughs> him of that. I don't think he saw it, but I gave it a good shot. Anyway, and then yesterday, my brother's currently here visiting me. And yesterday, we went to... So so Trevor Noah, the new Daily Show host, he was in Chicago doing a couple shows. And I think he did the Daily Show from Chicago for a week and he also brought the Donald J. Trump presidential Twitter library with him. and was open this weekend only in Chicago. It's a free exhibit. It was at Union Station in downtown. Oh, my God. It was an hour wait, but it was so worth it. They had some of his classic tweets like the Taco Bowl tweet, the coffee tweet, um... The Mika tweets in these gold thick frames. They had a recreation of the Oval Office with a golden toilet in front of it where you could sit and tweet on the toilet just like Trump does. They had the eight deleted tweets on display etched in gold (laughs) with red roses (laughs) around them to pay tribute to the deleted tweets. (laughs) they had a live look at his twitter feed they had this trump versus trump section where they would show tweets from trump that contradict each other you can make your own trump tweet. you could get your own trump insult there was a history board showing a timeline of trump on twitter there were his baby hands holding a, a phone it was incredible so if you if this ever goes to you near you because I this really should tour the country. It's just amazing to to look at. It's also it's depressing but it's therapeutic. Like you got to look for a laugh through all this and this offers so many laughs. I think it was in New York City already. I hope they bring it around elsewhere. Um highly recommend it. And what was cracking me up about it is that an hour wait to get into this thing, you, you, there's a shorter wait to see, like, the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> More people want to see Trump's
1: tweets. A sad reflection on this country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hope that it does tour because it looks hilarious. I mm. particularly like the section you talked about where you can make your own tweets, and it's like those refrigerator magnets of yeah. keywords that you can shift around that sounds really cool to me
2: yeah my god it was it was so much fun me and my brother had a blast so so if you do hear about it being in your area please go It, it is so worth it for the social media posts laura you're gearing up for a big month
1: Yeah. So I decided that I need to do something with my life that doesn't Mm -hmm. involve my job or podcasting. Mm -hmm. So I decided this month I'm going, or in November, I'm going to participate in NaNoWriMo, which is National Novel Writing Month. Uh, I've never done this before. I used to write all the time. Uh, I was always the kind of kid that always had a notebook, and would just be writing things furiously at all hours of the day. Uh, Since I went to grad school and got super overwhelmed with writing shit for other people, I kind of fell off the the writing bandwagon, and I haven't done too much personal writing in the last few years. So I decided I want to take that back this year. So I'm doing it. And the reason I'm saying it on the show is because I want to be held accountable. And if I know that thousands of people know that I'm doing this, I will feel the pressure to actually fucking sit down and write.
2: Get it done, Laura.
1: I will. So I will. yeah,
2: I've, I've heard of this before. I know it's pretty popular. I like the idea behind it because I think it really does inspire and motivate people to write. I think it's also mm-hmm. helpful to see that other people are working towards this goal too. Do you know what you're going to be writing about? Have you started to plan it?
1: I do. I do know what I'm going to be writing about. Um, And at this point, this is what people call preptober. So this is when (laughs) you're actually like, if you do outlines, if you sort of start putting together scenes in your head, like anything like that, that's kind of what you do right now. Um, So I've just been working on doing writing exercises at this point. A really good one that I did the other day was... Uh, posted on their website in their forums, and it was 13 questions that you answered from the perspective of your protagonist. Hmm. Um, Things like, the worst thing that ever happened to me was this, everyone knows this about me, but I've never told anyone X, Y, and Z. Um, So you really have to sit down and kind of get into the head of the person that you're going to be writing about in order to answer mm. these questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've also been doing a couple of exercises that are like 500 word, like quick exercises, just write whatever comes into your head about a particular scene that you've envisioned in the story or a particular conversation you could envision your character having and just like kind of just write stream of consciousness and don't edit yourself while you're writing, just fucking get the words down. So that's mainly what I've been working on.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, do you think you'll be sharing your work once it's complete?
1: Uh, I don't know. Depends <laughs> Get how back it turns to me out. on that. Yeah. Not sure.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, good luck.
1: Thank you. Wish you well. I
2: think it's a fun, fun thing. I, I didn't know you used to write.
1: I used to write all the time, dude. I actually wrote, fun fact, I wrote my first book when I was 10 years old. What? Uh, yeah, it was called The Mass murder. It was a murder mystery. <laughs>
2: wow, you've been fucked up for a while.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's true. And it was like hundred and ten pages long, so it was it was more like a novella. It wasn't actually a novel. But um yeah, been writing a very long time and I'm excited to get back to it.
2: Bobby went to the store and like I mean
1: <laughs> then you. somebody shot him and it was like really scary. I have a little more faith in my 10-year-old self than that.
2: I do, too. Do you still have this book on you?
1: I do. Actually, wow. I don't have it on my person, but it I know my parents have it on a hard drive somewhere. So it's out there.
2: Shefali, who is listening live on Patreon, she says, make a fanfic based on it called The Ass Murderer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Given the fact that the plot circled around the protagonist's mother being the one who murdered her boyfriend i'm not quite sure how that would go
2: mm-hmm. katie who is also different. listening live she says she is going to be a part of nano remo how do you, <laughs> how do
1: you... <laughs> i think it's Rimo, but Rimo? this is my first year being in it so i'm i'm a noob i have no idea
2: yeah well Rimo would make sense because writing Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, but she says she's been severely lacking on her preptober work. So, um, well, good luck to you, to Good luck to both of you.
1: Thank you. Mm-hmm. As you prep. Thanks. Well, speaking of things that you can't fucking write, just can't make this shit up. It, it came to my attention today that there is a person on the internet who is encouraging owners of vaginas uh, to do something called a yoni cleanse. Uh, basically what this means is that you should shove a shaved cu- cucumber up your who. Um, hmm, okay. I don't even, the whole idea behind this is that a cucumber can cleanse your vagina. Uh... I, <laughs> I know. I even read some comments from people who have done this people who are like yeah i put one up there and left it in overnight and i woke up and smelled like a spa
0: ew oh come on yeah
1: yeah first of all it's a pussy it's supposed to smell like a fucking pussy let's just <laughs> let's just let's just put that out there um secondly i i think first we have this clip that we have to play i'm still like i I read about this for a while and I'm still flabbergasted that it's a thing that happens. So Andrew, just do it. See that? Alright. Don't that look like the front of a penis?
2: I think it does. She's carving a penis into right? a You cucumber. can make that
0: line as deep as you want. Now, the reason why I actually like to do the carvings of the cucumbers as like as if you know it's really a penis because these little indentions and things like that can just help with the cleanse. That's what I found. Like, it just makes it a little bit, you know, easy flow when you're using a cucumber versus just using it straight Right. Okay. And then from that point, the back of it, right, goes up into a nice little up. Uh, this is the back of the penis. And it goes like that. See
2: wow. That? I mean, I get where she's coming from about making it look like a penis. You want it to feel like like something that belongs up there.
1: It Carving lines into a cucumber does not a penis make.
0: But it doesn't belong up there. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing you can do to make it belong up there. It's a cucumber. And here's, listen, this is what upsets me about it. This whole fad that like vaginas should, they, 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 they don't need your fucking help. They've been around for a long time. They know what they're doing. They're like self-cleaning ovens. They got it. All right. They got it. they are fucking professionals. This whole idea that like women need to like be cleaning out their cooch every fucking day is, is insane. It's wrong. First of all, it's actually really bad for your vaginal health to like do things like douching too often. Once in a blue moon, like fine. But like if you're doing it like every other day or even every week, that throws off your pH levels. God only knows what fruits and vegetables do to it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, putting any kind of
1: organic item that, you know, decays up inside your vagina is just wrong. Uh, furthermore, putting inserting things like this. Uh, into any part of your body can actually make you more prone to disease. And this is particularly true of your vagina. It can actually make it easier for you to contract certain kinds of STDs because right. it's damaging to your vaginal walls. And also to, like, I don't even know the scientific term for this, but uh, like the like the lining and stuff that's up in there that actually helps protect you from like absorbing mm. really bad shit for you. This can be really damaging to your fucking vagina. Don't put this up there. This is why God made dildos. Don't, I don't right. I don't get it. I this I didn't even know that this was a trend. Yes, it is. Um I just this is another example of people ruining science. <laughs> I I don't understand if you if you are concerned about your vagina, about its smell, about the way it feels, anything like that. Make an appointment with your OBGYN.
0: Don't don't do this. Yeah, this is not this is not an issue for like your local grocer. I feel like this is something Matt started. <laughs> I feel confident that this is Matt's fault.
2: That was Matt this, in the video. That he <laughs> tell.
0: I, it sounded like him. You know, this, this is, a, you guys laugh, but deep down inside, you know, this is exactly the kind of fucking thing he would tell me and Laura to do. Mm-hmm. This is exactly the kind of thing.
2: As we're recording, I like drinking these LaCroix soda water type drinks. And tonight's choice is a cucumber mint. And I'm thinking of pouring it out now because I'm going to forever associate this with vaginas now. Mm -hmm. thanks to this discussion but my god is it good
1: also one last point i want to drive home vaginas aren't dirty Mm -hmm. the like elisa was saying here the the implication is that you need to be doing something to help along vaginas don't fucking need the assistance i've also seen some bitches commenting on this stuff being like the ancient egyptians used to do this as a natural remedy guess what they're dead now. Yeah. The
0: ancient Egyptians also worship cats. <laughs> so that's not my barometer for life. It's like, well, you know, the ancient Egyptians did it. I think we should too.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Although I do want a cool pyramid when I die.
2: <laughs> well, speaking of health.
0: Yes.
1: So we wanted to do a little plug for a segment we're going to be doing on the show next week about healthcare because open enrollment is coming up. It's running November 1st through December 15th. And the reason that we wanted to make sure to talk about this is to kind of help spread the word, maybe inform some folks who aren't really sure what the best choices to make, um, what, what is available to them out there, because... Not surprisingly, uh the Trump administration has shortened the enrollment period from what it was in previous years, and they have also cut funding for advertising of open enrollment by ninety percent. That's so, great when I saw yeah. that,
2: I was like that is so Trump to just to yep. just shoot us shoot this Obamacare in the foot whenever possible um, yep. i'm aware I'm well aware of this because. Even though I no longer live in California, um, my California health care is going away. Even if I remain there, it was going to be going away because Blue Anthem Blue Shield is getting rid of my particular plan, so I was going have to have to find a new plan anyway. But now that I'm in Chicago, I'm going to look for something um, in Illinois. And from what I've read, it looks like Blue Anthem Blue Shield are going to stick around for next year, which is good as part of Obamacare. So yeah, I'm looking forward to talking more about this, and I'm ex- I'm I'm like this sounds nerdy, but it's also important. So whatever, like I'm really excited, excited for open enrollment to begin because I'm really eager to see what my healthcare plan is going to look like next year because I do rely on it for my mental health and for my dental work.
1: Well, keep an eye out for next week. Uh, I'm really looking forward to having this little discussion.
2: Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Let's have a discussion with one of our listeners. This is going to be a good call because this caller lives in LA where it's a hot hot week. Hello? Hey, Gigi? Yes. Surprise bitches, this is millennial.
3: Oh, hey. How's
2: it going? I'm
3: glad you guys finally called. It's go Oh, it's hot out.
2: Yes, I wanted to talk to you about that because I saw you were in L.A. How hot is it there?
3: (laughs) It is fucking hot. I like this is my one day. I uh, work retail and so I was like going to spend today outside and like walking around and just, you know, I moved to a new part of L.A. and I wanted to like see it, but I just like walked outside and I'm like, no, I'm going to sit in my apartment today.
2: Yeah, it's over 100 degrees, right? Yeah. I mean, what the fuck? Yeah, it's really bad. It's almost Halloween.
3: Yeah, and it's, like, it's usually not this hot this late. Like, this is worse than normal.
2: Yeah. Back in my day when I lived in L.A., it was, like, September. (laughs) That was the latest. It would be so hot.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask, what is, like, the average-ish temperature this time of year normally?
3: (sighs) I don't know. Um, I mean, it's still pretty warm. I'd say, like,
0: I don't know, like, 70 or something. So it's,
3: like, still warm, but it's not it's not like a hundred and three. There's
0: a big difference between like 70 something and a hundred and three degrees. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So it's like warm. Com- Cause I grew up in St. Louis and so it's warm compared to St. Louis, but it's not like hot.
2: Yeah. Well, I remember one year recently, it was really, really hot around Halloween and I was going to Halloween horror nights at universal, you know, getting the Halloween spirit, but it was hot as fuck. And I have to wear a sweater. I'm like, or sorry, I have to wear like a t-shirt. I'm like, what, what's what's the point? I, I want to wear a sweater. I want to be bundled up for Halloween. Everything's fake.
3: Yeah, and and like you know, in the store I work at, um, it's like a it's a chain, and so there's stores all around the country, and so we keep on getting all these sweaters in, and I'm like, stop sending those sweaters. We're not going to sell any of these.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. How do you? How long have you been in L.A. and do you like living in the in the city?
3: Um, I've been here four years. Um, I went to UCLA for four years, and um, so I I liked the West Side. Now I'm in downtown LA. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it here too, but it's almost like a different city now. Um, it it cause is because, like, when, I feel like people like in LA kind of like stay in their part of LA and don't go to other parts. Yes. And so I feel like I'm in an entirely different city right now.
2: In part because so kind of the traffic.
3: Of, yeah, yeah, because the traffic is hell. But um, I feel like I'm in, like, a new place, which is really fun. So I'd I'd say I have a few more years before I get tired of L.A.
2: Okay. That was going to be my next question. So you think you'll stick around for a while?
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to um, work in TV. And so, like, here's where all the droughts are.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think think L.A. needs a good, really good earthquake or maybe, like, a good long heat wave to to scare some people out because it's... Very expensive, too much traffic, house prices are insane. So we need a good we <laughs> I say we. I still have the California driver's license, so I can I can speak for everybody in LA. We need a good earthquake to we need a good purge to, to reset everything. Of course. Have I you hope- seen the
3: seven the nineteen seventy eight
2: Superman movie? No.
3: Um Where Lex Luthor, like, tries to bomb L.A. and, like, um, sink, like, half of California into the ocean. Yeah, that's That's what we need. need.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm glad you agree. I was expecting (laughs) you to hang up when I said you should die.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, to lighten things up, um, have you heard of a Yoni cleanse, a Yoni cleanse? familiar with this phenomenon cool so i thought we could tell you all about it we talked about it earlier in the show people who have vaginas are putting shaved cucumbers up there to cleanse them i just wanted to see if you or anyone you know might have experienced this no
2: but but Gigi, (laughs) we were just talking about how it's actually really great for a very hot day it's like very refreshing it cools (laughs) you from the inside out you know, I feel cool as- like that's
3: a great. It's like a fun new way to get a yeast infection. Yes.
2: Oh no! It's a fun like, new way to like
3: chill. The, the, no, it's like a fun new way to like discover like new like UTIs. <laughs> it's
1: true. Yeah. You know it'll ma- it'll like, make your UTIs we're gonna- super fresh.
0: <laughs>
3: This is this is why, like you know, we're becoming like with last week with the antibiotics resistance. Like that's why this is happening because people are sticking stuff up their vaginas and then they need antibiotics to solve it. Bingo.
0: That's hey shit. There you go. That solves everything. Just stop sticking food in your puss.
2: <laughs> yeah. Do you um? I know it doesn't feel like fall there yet, but did you get your flu shot?
0: I I
3: actually got my flu shot today. Um, oh, good. Whee! If you go to like. If you go to the CVS inside the Target, they give you um, a $5 coupon.
2: Exactly. For Target. I, I love that. Yeah. So good.
3: Yeah. It's uh, like you get free money for doing it.
2: And again, it doesn't feel like fall there, but are you planning on dressing up as somebody or something for Halloween?
3: Yeah, I'm dressing up as um Jen Erso from Rogue One for Halloween.
0: But oh. I don't know what I'm doing yet. That's, That's sick. That is a good one. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that'll be fun.
2: For a fun twist um, on it, you can have a cucumber hanging out of your snatch.
3: <laughs> you yeah, not I'm that? sure everybody will know exactly <laughs> what that is.
2: I'm Jin Ariso, the millennial listener who doesn't follow directions. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Gigi. Well, thank you for your support. Stay cool. Yeah,
3: I will. I will.
2: Put, put a cucumber in a hole above the waistline. And... <laughs> Talk to you later, I guess. Alright.
0: I'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Bye Gigi. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
2: she was a good sport. <laughs>
0: yep, she
1: was fun. Yeah. You know, sometimes I worry that we're losing listeners by doing
0: surprise Oh, bitch. I know for a fact we are. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I think I think that is accurate. I but I gotta say, I love what we do here. I mean, what other show can do this? What other podcast? Is there another podcast like this that asks, asks people if they stick vaginas up their, or <laughs> stick cucumbers up their, up up their, their vaginas? <laughs> they stick
0: vaginas in their cucumbers. Yeah. It's I like... don't think
2: so. This is a really unique program. I'm so proud. <laughs> we've, we've done so much. <laughs> and the best part about it is that we mix politics with this other bullshit. I'm just, I just love it.
1: There's <laughs> nothing <laughs> like
2: this. There really isn't sorry i'm high on my cucumber mint drink
1: <clears throat> uh, i, I d- that pussy
2: i did want to offer a reminder while we're on the subject of phone calls for our patrons we do have a voicemail line and we haven't been promoting it but it's time for us to start doing that again so if you go to patreon.com slash millennial click on the benefits tab under featured tags and you'll get the phone number there i also made a post recently call in with a voicemail uh leave anything you want a question, a comment, a joke, a uh, rant, uh, I don't know, anything. It's
0: I a- love the voicemails. Me too. Love that. They're so much fun. Even, you know, you don't have to be drunk or whatever. Just like call mm-hmm. and say something. I just think they're so much fun to listen to.
2: Yeah. And obviously they're easy to do. We all know how to make phone calls. And if if you're tired of waiting around for your surprise bitch call, this is your way to have your voice on the show. So. Check that out over on patreon.com slash millennial. Thank you. Before we get to some news, wanted to address some feedback we got about last week's episode. Um, our, our dog rescue slash breeding discussion was off in a couple of places, but I need to clarify something that I said in particular. I had said that animals in stores like those small stores, are well-bred. I did not mean that they are genetically well-bred. I only meant that they are well-bred to look adorable, thus to sell you on purchasing the dog. That is all that I meant. I know I upset some people and pissed some people off because that was so <laughs> off the mark. But I misspoke. All I meant to say was that they are well-bred to look good to convince you to buy them um go ahead
1: all of this and more coming up in andrew's new book what happened
0: (laughs) (laughs) we got we got a few emails and one of them that i thought was most insightful came from clara uh she she wrote quite a lot i'm going to try and do her justice but skim through parts of it she she opens up just by saying she has to be honest she was disappointed in our discussion she thought that um it it lacked some research and um she says that we should not, number one, avoid shelters that do euthanize. They take the animals that your average no-kill shelter would never touch because they're unadoptable, and simply put, assuming every animal should be adopted or will find a forever home is naive. Shelters that euthanize serve a very important purpose and also need your support. She goes on to you know call Andrew to the carpet a little bit for some of the things that he said, but you already addressed that, Andrew. Um, then she talks about some of the things that I said, and I, I, I have to give credit where credit's due. This is what she says. Um, Elisa, you're not completely wrong, but your rant lacked, shall we say nuance? I have to give her, I have to give that to her. Um, part of that lies in the simple fact you ignored why dogs exist at all. Sure. They started out as scavengers at the edges of towns. Um, but dogs But the dogs that most people have in their homes exist because they had a purpose. Border collies can herd sheep more precisely and efficiently than any human can. Belgian shepherds and German shepherds work as police and military dogs because they can do things humans simply can't do, such as detect explosives from yards away or track down uh, a person uh, on the run. In fact, scientists have tried to reproduce canines' ability to smell, but they just have not been able to. There's no machine that can mimic the nose of a dog. And yes, we could stop selecting um, dogs for certain physical and behavioral characteristics, but the resulting dogs would not be able to perform the same kind of service work that we're used to, whether that's police work or herding, uh, seeing eye dogs, things of that nature. Uh, On the matter of breeding, she said, Um, sometimes we do need specific breeds. Not all breeders are made equal. It's true that some dog breeds are suffering a great deal from the selection of extreme traits and general issues within breeding. Most golden retrievers, for example, get cancer and die. Most Dobermans die from genetic heart defects and don't even get her started, she says, on bulldogs and pugs. But that's why we need to support good, responsible breeders. They give us generally healthy dogs that can hunt, herd, protect, and perform the type of service work that dogs are here for uh, at least in part. Um, She goes on to give us some really good tips for how to find a responsible breeder and some of the ones that didn't occur to me I thought were worth mentioning. Um, Someone who always has puppies available is a huge red flag. She says that responsible breeders Um, they are responsible because they're trying to help that breed. They're trying to improve dogs health and they really care about that breed and about dogs. And so if that's the case, they're not going to have puppies available all the time because they're not doing it for money. They're not doing it for greed. They're doing it just for the science and because they care. Um, She also says that a good breeder will let you meet both parents. They'll be able to give you the genetic background of both parents Um, they don't make a living off of breeding. They don't make a living off of breeding. So avoid places where it's clear that this is kind of like their bread and butter. Don't go to those places. Um, someone who is charging more for interesting colors, sizes, and markings is definitely not acting responsibly and you should not support those breeders. Avoid dogs that are labeled teacup or giant or any variation of that. Those breeders, uh, these are my words, not hers, are fucked up. Um, but that I think, I hope, does justice to most of her points. Um, I thought it was worth mentioning. I still personally find breeding. I, I she's totally right. Dogs have a purpose, um, and that's why we domesticated them. However many millions, thousands, whatever years ago, it, at this point in in life, it feels a little weird to me to f- like. I don't know, to force animals to fuck. And I know that, and I've, and I've been around, my, my parents briefly dabbled in, in breeding and I was part of like that community growing up for a while and it was nothing but a terrible experience. Clearly that's anecdotal and not reflective of all breeders as Clara points out. But it, it just, I think I probably have a negative bias against them for that reason. Um, but she brought up good points. I mean, things like service dogs that never occurred to me um, and that's, yeah, that's valid. So I thought we should, you know, share that pushback.
2: Yeah. No, that was good. Thank you for all that information, as, as well as uh, the other emails we received. People wrote in with some additional insight, so we read it. We we're better for it, so thank you. Let's move on to some news now. We are going to talk a little bit about Trump's latest fight He is his own worst enemy, and I'll explain how um, in a minute. But uh, Monday started off with Trump on the defensive because Maisha Johnson, the widow of Sergeant David Johnson, discussed her disappointment with uh, the condolence call that Trump made on Good Morning America. Uh, She said that the president stumbled on her husband's name and suggested the only reason he knew it was because the report was right in front of him. Now, Trump, like I said, went on the defense. He tweeted very quickly after this interview aired. I think they were kind of ready to uh, clap back. He he said, I had a very respectful conversation with the widow of Sergeant David Johnson and spoke his name from beginning without hesitation. So he wasn't his usual uh insults insultive is that a word self but insulting insulting self but he he was calling her a liar and so there was a lot of backlash around this today you just you just don't pick fights with military widows and he got himself into all this because this all started when he was called out for taking 12 days to acknowledge losing the four men in battle in nigeria and that's a long time especially when he tweets so much other stupid shit so he so what happened last week was that he was called out for taking too long to address these four men and then this was at a press conference he says in these off-the-cuff remarks that his predecessors didn't call families so he's like, i make it a point to call families. I was waiting for the right time. Uh, Obama, maybe even Bush, they didn't call. So this pissed off former, uh, former Obama administration officials. They were like, fuck you, that isn't true at all. Then Trump walked it back a little bit. But then because of these comments, the media started digging. And then they found out, the Washington Post, for example, they interviewed a bunch of people who have lost loved ones. And they found out that Trump isn't actually calling everybody. And then we learn about one of these calls specifically. This one I just cited. And we find out that he had said to the widow that, quote, the soldier knew what he was getting himself into. And that's been the debate this past week. Was this a bad thing to say? Now, you can look at it from one angle Yes trump maybe Trump didn't mean it in a bad way in an insensitive way. Maybe he was just saying he he tends to ramble. maybe he was just saying, you know he as somebody who fights in the military, you know that you might be risking your life. But the problem is Trump has a huge credibility issue. We know he lacks empathy. We know he doesn't he isn't very respectful. Toward soldiers. Let's also remember this past week we found out that he promised a family $25,000 from his own personal bank account back over the summer, and he never sent it. He only sent it, a picture of the check just came out today, just came out in the past hour. I just saw it pop up on Twitter. It was dated October 18th. That was the same day the Washington Post exposed his, his, his letdown um, so we know he lacks empathy, and and his previous comments about McCain, saying he's not a war hero, and he also picked other fights with Gold Star families. So, what do you two make about uh make of all this?
1: I don't. I think it's business as usual in the Trump White House. Um, I also wanted to point out that it's not even just him getting into a feud with the widow, and calling her out on Twitter and saying that. She mischaracterized the nature of the call. Maisha's um, mother-in-law, who is also a congresswoman from Florida, Frederica Wilson, was there and heard the call and was one of the first people to come out and say, hey, he actually said that uh, my son knew what he was getting himself into. And Trump fired back on that immediately and called her a liar. And yeah. then maisha went on the news and was like, "Oh no, that's that's actually what happened, So he's not even just getting into it with the widow. He's getting into it with everyone,
2: yeah, it's just it's it's this is just another example of how he is his own worst enemy. He gets himself into these situations. he did not have to get himself here.
0: I agree with you, but there's a part of me that wonders whether or not this is actually." whether or not this is actually harmful to him. I, I really, it's taken me a while to see the forest for the trees, but I, I, I the more and more we live with this president, the more I feel like this is not damaging to him. That's actually very helpful to him because I think number one, it, um, it, <laughs> number one, it, it really makes, it creates, it creates an environment in which he, can do whatever he wants policy wise so if everyone 's up in arms over this or whatever the fuck other scandal is happening, he can he can try and push through whatever legislation he can write whatever executive orders he wants he can order the agencies which have enormous power policy wise to to do whatever he wants, and no one 's paying attention to it no one I mean take the environmental Protection agency actually. They just uh, two weeks ago announced that they were going to scale back a rule that protects um, that protects water from various chemicals. Um, it's like millions of Americans get their water from sources that would be impacted by this rule, and um, I can't remember like which chemicals in particular, but there are some pretty big ones. And now these it, is, it will be now easier for corporate polluters to literally dump chemicals into public water um at least easier than it was before that happened just two weeks ago did did does anyone know about that is anyone talking about that no of course not you don't see it on cnn you don't see it anywhere and yet it's a huge victory for this administration i think this helps him we talk very often about how dumb he is and and yada yada and maybe it's just dumb luck but i actually think this is helpful i think that this is how he gets his agenda through while everyone yeah. else is watching while everyone else is watching you know like the whatever distraction he has it's like he throws up a firework and everyone stares in the sky and goes oh ah meanwhile mm-hmm. back down on the ground actual shit's happening and no one talks about it
2: I think you're right, but we also can't give him too much credit because he is an idiot, so he might be accidentally doing this, accidentally distracting. But
1: I feel like his cabinet, what's left of it at this point, is sort of letting him do that because they know. They know this is beneficial to their agenda. I mean, Elisa, a couple of weeks ago, you and I were losing our minds because of some new rules that were put in place for... um, for, for federal employees, saying that people who work for the federal government can actually decline services to people if they go right. against their religious beliefs. And again, that's something else that nobody's talking about, because Trump is playing the distraction game.
0: Exactly.
2: Uh, now I feel like a tool bag for going to that Twitter presidential library. I got to keep my eye on the ball. I can't go no. and get distracted.
0: You know what? Sometimes, like the funny things like that, the satire really helps us decompress, so that we can stay engaged. I don't think that's terrible. I think that I, I just think that this sort of thing, it's it's heinous. Don't get me wrong. And and it's it's below it's below me to argue with a gold star (laughs) widow, and I'm fucking nobody. So it's definitely (laughs) below the president. True. And so, and so it's, there's no question that like this is, this is just a, uh, embarrassment to, uh, upon the nation. But I think that unfortunately, as fucked up as it is, I can name off the top of my head 10 other things that are 10 times more fucked up and none of them get any coverage. And that, that is what bothers me more on a day to day basis now than anything else.
2: Yeah. All right, well, we can talk about this more, but we do have more to discuss today.
0: Yeah, so speaking of of conservatives and liberals and all of this kind of thing, there's a new study um, out of Yale University I thought was really interesting. I, actually, I can't wait to get your guys' take on this. Um John Barg has a new book out called Before You Know It, The Unconscious Reasons That We Do What We Do. He's from Yale University, and he is sort of known for doing these large-scale psychological experiments to see why people act the way they act and specifically why people have the political views that they have. Um, Social scientists have long understood that conservative political views can be often, not always, but often fueled by fear. This new study by John Barg suggests that making those people feel safe can actually make them change their political views, particularly on social issues. Um, So how he did this experiment was they told a group of participants to imagine they had been granted some incredible superpowers that made them... Um, like bulletproof that they were basically invincible um, like a superman type of hero Um, and they put them in this like sort of state where they had to like really get into it right it was like some serious role-playing going on Um, then they asked them how they felt about various social issues so The researchers asked participants to weigh in on political statements, including statements like, would you be reluctant to make any large scale changes to the social order, i.e., you know, gay marriage? Um, Or, you know, is it okay if certain groups have more of a chance in life than others, i.e., immigration? Um, They asked these same questions before, during and after this thought experiment where they became invincible and liberal participants attitudes on social issues did not shift at all. The participants who identified as liberal or as Democrats did not change their answers at any point during the experiment. The conservative participants on the other hand started adopting increasingly more liberal views on social issues, the more invincible they became. So every time that they uh, that they added something like um, oh now you're now fire can't touch your skin now like you're invincible to fire now you're bulletproof oh and now you're like made of metal and if you fall nothing can hurt you every time they added a new caveat that made them more powerful and safe physically safe they became more liberal mm-hmm. and more open to to things like gay marriage and and um, open borders so this i just found this fascinating number one i just thought this was really interesting and it kind of makes me wonder you know i this guy john barb from yale is really known for doing pretty pretty decent reliable work but he is just one guy it is just one study do we think that there's any truth to this just anecdotally based on our own experience that that conservative values can be fueled by fear
1: Yes and no. I think particularly as it pertains to social issues like the study did, it does tend to be fear-based, especially when, it, when their views um, reflect a desire for other people not to have their rights. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that, that indicates, and this study also indicates, that people who hold those views are just afraid of minorities and gay people. Like, apparently in this study, these people were afraid that gays were going to come set them on fire. I I don't know. But I think that, yes, anecdotally, a lot of times those kinds of old world views come from a place of fear. And I think it just goes to show that everyone needs a safe space. Oh, they're not
0: going to like that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm also just thinking, like, a lot of Trump's campaign was built on fear. So I think there's a correlation here. If they are so scared, they want to buy into Trump. If they were more comforted, then they would have had less reason to um, vote for Trump or maybe even vote Republican. But they've been trained by Fox News and the media in general Really engages in a lot of scare tactics. Tactics, even CNN or your local news. As the saying goes, "If it bleeds, it leads." And when I watch local news, which isn't much anymore, but they almost always start with a terrible story about a shooting or a gunman on the loose. So, <clears throat> and you also think about border protection, <laughs> like you had touched on, Elisa. I do think that um, that that we the Republicans have been, and society on a whole has been trained, American society has been trained to think that if our borders aren't protected, we're going to die.
1: That said, I would argue that, as you said, this is only one study. I'm assuming the participant pool was rather limited just based on the description. Uh, From a research standpoint, there would definitely need to be a lot more work done here in order to be able to say, anything definitive.
0: Yeah, and the th- and and there's two two key points to what you were saying, Laura, Number one, it is worth noting that um their views on economic and fiscal matters did not change as a result of this. The only things that were impacted were their social stances. So, I think that's also very telling. Um and number two, there's lots and lots of studies that show um, if you take uh, people who are liberal and you make them afraid that they become more conservative. And so it's, it's, it's pretty well established in the scientific community that that is true, that, that if you take it, that, that you can be swayed to be more conservative, particularly socially, if, if fear is an element and there's really no greater example of that than nine 11. Um, The social scientific community went haywire after 9-11 because um, tragically, of course, it was it was an opportunity to to study how people reacted to dramatically different political environments. And the incredible conservative shift this country took after 9-11 was was unprecedented. They had never seen anything like it. Um, The article where I got this from, I can link to it, discusses this at length. And how the country became like fucking Republicans overnight. This is why things things like the Patriot Act were allowed to pass. That's a very conservative thing. Even socially, you know, being able to like wiretap and spy on people at will. That's very conservative. And that never would have flown before 9-11. Never, ever would have passed. And even now I would argue that it would be tough to get something like that to pass. But because of 9-11, people were afraid and that made them more conservative. I think that there's lots of evidence that suggests that there's truth in it, but where that truth begins and ends is up for debate, I would say. Um, like, I, it obviously doesn't apply to economics, but I was curious if you guys have ever had, like, this made me wonder, you know, like, how have our views been shaped over our lifetimes? And, like, have you ever had a socially conservative view ever in your life and how and why did it change?
2: Oh, man.
0: Yes, I have. Um, and it's one that I'm
1: not proud of. Uh, it's actually one that i voiced on one of our older podcasts, Smart Mouths. Uh, and I, I even cringe to bring it up now because I know how wrong I was. Um, you guys might remember back in like 2009, I think it was, maybe 2008, um, there was a huge scandal Because uh, there was a, what was being reported at the time, a mosque being built right on ground zero. Mm. I was personally opposed to this, not because I thought that Muslims weren't allowed to be there, but personally because I think that having any kind of religious establishment near somewhere like ground zero is kind of icky like to me trying to Uh trying to use something like that a place that in and of itself is so sacred and haunting uh as sort of like a, a springboard for your religious establishment feels icky to me um having said that i also know that i read some documentation that was wrong about that because of course it didn't end up being a mosque. it was a community center, which is very mm-hmm. different. Um, and that that's not an opinion that I would have now. I was wrong and, and it was what, it probably had something to do with the
0: fear of the time. I was just about to say, I mean it's funny that the first example you think of is 9 eleven mm-hmm. which is was for anyone, even if you were too young to like totally grasp it was still fear inducing I and mean, it was terrifying and tragic to watch. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh this is gonna be weird for me to say. I- I'm not totally sure if I really held this position at this point. It's hard for me to recall something, but I was definitely unsure about the whole <laughs> about the transgender community at the beginning. Cause it was just very new to me and I didn't really understand it. Now I do. Now I have a much firmer grasp on it. But where I was probably five or more years ago was probably where a lot of people, a lot of conservatives are now. Um, And that's why there have been all these bathroom debates. Um, So, yeah, I I was just unsure of it. And I didn't think of it the same way I did being gay, which is weird to say. But it it just felt so new to me that I, that I didn't understand it. And I think a lot of us, society on a whole, in the past few years, have had a better understanding of it thanks to prominent transgender people coming forward, thanks to hearing more personal stories, whether it's from our listeners or maybe you have a friend who's transgendered. Um, even the whole pronoun thing. Like, that was something that I feel like wasn't widely discussed until the past couple of years Uh and i'm almost glad it was hotly debated because i think it's forced a lot of us to read up on it and understand it better so
0: okay what about you lisa uh i used to be pro-life oh that's right I think you might remember that Laura because I was this was back in high school so this was a long time ago um but I yeah I was I I was pro-life I mean I would I would do the typical bullshit conservative caveats to it like oh rape and incest but other than that yeah and and for me, at least, it stemmed from not having totally separated with my Christian sort of upbringing. I spent the first eight years of my life going to Sunday school. I still very much believed in God and the Bible. Um, I wasn't like a I wasn't like a, you know a Bible thumper. I didn't preach it or anything, but in my heart, I believed that that was true. And so it was sort of all stemmed from 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 there. And I actually like oh god in ninth I'll never forget in ninth grade I. I got to write a paper on any topic I wanted and I chose, I chose abortion and I wrote it on why you should be pro-life. And it's so fucking cringy to even say those words out loud now, let alone read that. But I think, you know, I don't, maybe this is reaching too much. I don't know if it was necessarily fear based for me. I felt a little bit more like just, upbringing and lack of experience. I knew I was in ninth grade. I knew nothing about abortion. I never met anyone who had had one. I never spoken to any health professionals. It was based entirely in my naive, ignorant, little religious head. But I will say this. I do remember distinctly having the sense that if I supported the murder of children, I would go to hell. Mm. And I I would argue that that is fear. And that, Um, yeah. And that, yeah. And that, 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 that there was an element of it that probably was a little fear induced because I remember, I remember being concerned about that. Like, oh God, you know, what is, what, what is God going to think? Like when I'm being judged, like, is, is this going to keep me out? And that scared the shit out of me. And so, um, yeah, I can, I can relate on some level level to this, to this study's findings. Okay, that, that that's, interesting.
2: That's a, that's a good question. I don't, I don't like looking inward like this, so that that rocks me a little bit.
1: No, I'm thinking back on things that I used to say and think, and not even things that were necessarily like straight up conservative values, but uh, it's cringeworthy, and it's particularly cringeworthy knowing that a lot of it is recorded.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, guys, uh, dogs in in mall puppy shops are well bred.
1: <laughs> Take it back now. Take it back. <laughs> nope. I'm gonna cut that clip out and just play it nonstop throughout our Christmas special. They
2: are bred to perfection. Perfect dogs. Anyway, um let's go behind the headlines. What are what what's the media hiding from us this week? Laura. Did you see our sidebar chat? We're gonna skip the one the Nestle one. Oh
1: shit. I didn't see that. It's okay. I'm real sorry. No problem. Okay. Uh, So yeah, uh, this week in Hidden from the Headlines is actually something that happened last week. So around 500 people were killed in a truck bombing in Mogadishu in Somalia. Uh, The terror group that was behind the attack, Al-Shabaab, vowed to increase attacks in Somalia after Trump and Somalia's newly elected president announced new military efforts against them. So In terms of our increased military efforts, the U.S. has increased drone strikes against Somalia this year. Uh, But as of this point, we have 500 some odd people dead, hundreds more injured. I was unable to find any reports of the United States providing any kind of humanitarian aid. Mm. Now, I recognize that that might not be true. It's possible that we may be doing something and that that's also super hidden from the headlines. So if anyone knows anything or has read anything about this, please let us know, because I find this greatly concerning that we would bomb the shit out of a country with drones in the effort of trying to destabilize a terror group. And then when said terror group retaliates against its own people, we do nothing. That is incredibly troubling to me. Mm. But what I really wanted to talk about is that this is exactly the kind of attack that should resonate with Americans the idea of quote is Islamic extremists blowing up a crowded public street why didn't this get more coverage this I mean it was trending for like two seconds last week and then it immediately went away there was no Facebook outrage there was no I am Somalia cover photo filters none of that because of
0: where it happened I mean unfortunately that is probably the truth i think because it's half, half the people don't even fucking know where where this is on a map and and even if you do it just feels so much further away and you know they're not white europeans so i i i, I know that's crass and maybe i don't know but I, I I think that's true i think i think if this happened in in Paris or, um, fuck even like Tokyo. I think that, I think we would have seen all of those things you're talking about, Laura. I agree well, with
2: you. Uh, I think in Tokyo people, Americans go to Tokyo. So that would, that would right. get attention. Exactly. But not Somalia. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's hidden from the headlines because most people don't care. They don't know where it is. It's like a distant land. It may be, it may as well be on another world. Like who cares? that's what most people think.
1: Well, I guess my thing is, I don't think that most people have been given an opportunity to think about it because it's not been reported.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: And what I find so striking about this and why I don't understand why it's not being reported is because I disagree with this reasoning for reporting it. But given the increase in the amount of public attacks that we are experiencing in this country, I would think that something like this would be highly reportable. The mm-hmm. idea of Islamic extremists blowing up a street, killing hundreds of people. This is something that the average American is fucking afraid of. Yeah. So I, I don't understand why we're not hearing more about it. Um, I feel like the American public would at least care about it from the perspective of like, Oh, I'm afraid of that happening to me too. Yeah. <laughs> And even though I don't think that's a good enough reason to be reporting it, I would rather it be getting reported at all. Uh,
0: I do. I wonder maybe if that has something to do with the fact that there's been a lot of like international news happening lately, like the whole Niger um, mm-hmm. attack. And uh, there's, there's uh, people are still thankfully um talking about Puerto Rico. I wonder if there's just a lot of international news right now and, and like, we just don't have like the mental bandwidth to deal with something, uh, this in the weeds on top of it.
2: I think it should also be clarified. Maybe the media, like let's pretend, okay, how can we make the media make the viewers care about this? Maybe it could have been presented as, as, Hey, this is the worst killing, um this is the worst killing worst attack since blank like how does this stack up in terms of um terrorist attacks in the world because it has to be one of the biggest ones so maybe people would care if we found out that oh my gosh this was one of the biggest it's like it's like how we unfortunately have to compare mass shootings these days the vegas one was the worst ever in america the last worst one ever was last fucking year. So I maybe it should be framed that way to get people to care about it.
1: Yeah, or I mean, just like reporting it at all. Yeah. Would be good. And yeah. it seems like I didn't want to clarify, just like looking back at many of the articles, I'm seeing a really big range in the number of deaths that are being reported. I'm seeing it range anywhere from... 275 to 400 at the moment. Okay. Um, this one article that we were referring to said 500 casualties. It looks like at least one to 200 of those are people who were critically injured.
2: Okay. All
0: right. That's pretty bad. Yeah. I, I want to take mm-hmm. this, is, this is not tangentially related, but I do want to take a moment to. Go back to something we talked about, God, probably a year ago, and that's drones. Um, I, I I hate to say it, but I'm going to say it. Not to YouTube, but in general. I fucking told you so. I remember having a conversation about drones because well, Obama was being accused of using them, um, and he really loosened up. He, he signed like, executive orders that made it okay for him to use drones and not get necessarily like approval to do so. And we had this whole conversation about it. And I remember saying, and I'm sorry, but it's fucking true that if the problem with allowing Obama to do it is that Obama won't always be there. And we have to stop judging presidents based off of just their individual administration and whether or not we trust them as a person. Um, We have to start judging administrations based off of the precedents that they set because someday, whether it's the next guy or whether it's, you know, twenty people from now, someday there will be a person in that position who you don't trust and and who you don't want to have those powers. And so when you open the floodgates for one, you better be fucking prepared for all of them to have that power. And I this is what I was worried about with with drones. Obama using drones, he was such a measured man. I personally was a big Obama fan. So I it, it, I wasn't a big fan of him. I was not a fan of him using drones. But if I was going to trust somebody to know when to strike and when to hold back, it would be Obama. Um, but I don't trust Trump. I don't mm. trust Trump to like fucking send a tweet right, let alone have no, the authority and the power to use drones on a wider scale. And yet that's what Obama did. Obama set the precedent for Trump and for everyone after Trump to be able to do that. We've got to start judging presidents based on the precedents they set and stop thinking to ourselves, oh, well, I like this guy and it makes sense why he's doing it for this case, so I'll roll with it. No, that's not good enough. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and, And that's something that I can look back and
1: say that I was probably wrong. That said, oh, I don't remember
0: you disagreeing with that.
1: Well, my, my whole point about drones, I don't like drones. I find them preferable to putting boots on the ground. Oh, yeah. A- and so my fear is that, like, okay, yes, Trump is bombing the shit out of things. But I think about how much worse it would be if he didn't have that option and was putting more people in the middle of this. Again, not to say that it's right. I just don't know what the answer is there. And I certainly don't want him in charge of blowing up anything. But you're right. I trusted Obama, which is why I didn't feel like it was a super pressing issue when we discussed it at the time. But it clearly was. We had no idea what we were getting ourselves into.
0: No, now I feel like an asshole because I don't remember you. I don't remember you saying that stuff, and I don't want you to think I'm I like, directing so. this at you. No, I you no, so. I don't.
1: I don't think that you're directing it at me. I've I, it's something that I've thought about previously, mm. and it's not to pick, you know, characterize myself as being pro drone. I never was, um, mm. but I was kind of playing devil's advocate because I was like, well, it's either that or send people over there. You know, and and I still feel that way to a degree. I just don't like the person who's in charge of the drones now. Right,
2: right. Well, let's end the show on a bit of a lighter note. I have two recommendations, and I'll start with this question, Laura. I believe previously, maybe it was on Landy. uh, I think you said you're gonna go to iPhone 10. Is that still the case? Because pre-orders start this friday are you setting your alarm at for 3 a.m eastern on friday
1: hell yeah
2: oh man what is that? why can't uh why the middle what? of the night
1: because it comes at 12 o'clock pacific
2: what what uh, what it, They're apple can't they change the time they don't have to make us get up at 3 a.m to 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 pre-order
1: it's part of apple's hype bullshit <sighs>
2: Okay, so Laura and I are both going to be up at 3 a.m. <laughs> Eastern to pre-order iPhone 10. Here's the thing. I think this is going to be impossible to get. If we get it on release day, I might go and flip it on eBay because these are going to be so hard to get on release yeah, day. Yeah,
1: I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> um, I was also thinking my boyfriend is going to hate me. He doesn't know that I'm doing this yet. But mm-hmm. uh, Saturday morning, we're getting up and going on a road trip. And because I'm waking up at 3 a.m. to get a phone, I'm going to make him drive (laughs) so I can sleep.
2: Yeah, that's a good idea. (laughs) Yeah. And then also this Friday, actually, there's another thing happening this Friday that I just remembered. Stranger Things 2 Mm -hmm. is coming out. That's going to be a big deal.
1: Oh, shit. We're staying up to watch that anyway. He'll probably be awake, too.
0: Oh, that's a good idea. Oh, I forgot that's happening this Friday.
2: Yeah, yeah. But I have to say, out of all these three things, the thing I'm most excited for is Super Mario Odyssey. This is coming out for Nintendo Switch on Friday. I am shitting myself with excitement. I have loved Mario for as long as I can remember. Super Mario Odyssey is the first 3D open-world Mario game since um, Mario Sunshine. And before that, uh, it was Super Mario 64, Nintendo has yet to fuck up a Mario game. They always do such a fantastic job. So I am just so excited for this. There's already one review out. They gave it a perfect ten. I, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm not getting too excited based on that review yet because they did get to be the one that publishes the early review. But man, oh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna be enamored.
0: Mm-hmm. Why do I'm make that really noise? nervous about Why? it. To be honest. Yeah. Yeah, because I I actually didn't like Galaxy, and I didn't either. I, I thought it was shit. It was just shit. Yeah. I mean, I, a lot of people love Galaxy. I didn't like it. I, I I I found it disorienting and confusing, and not in a good way. And it didn't feel like Mario to me. It really, to me, lost a lot of like the hallmarks that make platformers a platformer. Because I don't think it was really a true platformer. Yeah. And. And and as a result, like didn't really feel Mario ish. I don't know. So we'll see. I'm excited, but I'm 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 skeptical too.
2: Yeah. Well the reason I didn't mention Galaxy is because I think it's being compared to Sunshine and Sixty Four. Because those are open world, whereas Galaxy, I'm having a hard time remembering it, but you're just kind of on these little mini worlds and you run around them, right? Oh my
0: god, it's so fucking stupid. There's like asteroids that have like grass for some reason and like (laughs) you just pluck off like a random rose and like a star and then you fly off to like the next asteroid. It's really weird.
2: Right. And okay, so you didn't like it and I agree it wasn't that good, but the reviews were phenomenal. So... generally speaking they have yet to mess up a mario game um anyway i i'm very excited my brother like i said he's in chicago he met mario the other day they're doing this nationwide tour with mario and uh it was honestly a highlight of his life i think he was thrilled (laughs) (laughs) i didn't wait in line but he did uh so that's this friday stranger things super mario and iphone 10 pre-orders Thanks, everybody. Are you going to say something? No. No, sorry. Okay. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We're actually not done yet because after today and after dark, we're going to get a little gay. Um, got a good confessional about related to National Coming Out Day. Yeah. Somebody who is bisexual but has trouble coming forward about it to her friends and family. So we're going to talk about that. Also, Elisa has a little... Um, not a little. Question about her brother, who, as we learned recently, came out to her. So we're going to hear how that's going and the what he's struggling with, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. He's actually uh, he's actually here, so it'll be super awkward as I talk about him in front of him. Tell him to <laughs> leave. Let's do it. <laughs> well,
2: my brother's here, too, but I, I told him to, to leave. So he's down in Chicago getting shot or something oh he's playing he's playing golf there's a driving range near his potato potato yeah yeah i mean you're hit with a golf ball you're hit with a bullet one of one of those two things always happens in chicago anyway you can hear that over on patreon.com slash millennial don't forget our voicemail line over there as well we also live stream thanks to everybody who's listening live right now and we have other benefits learn them all over on patreon.com slash millennial your support keeps the show going we have over 700 people pledging right now thank you that's that's amazing thank you honestly inspiring yeah
1: you guys are incredible
2: thanks to you we decide to fill you in on cucumber treatments (laughs) yeah (laughs) and what not to do with your (laughs) cucumber (laughs) so um okay I think this closing song needs an introduction Otherwise it's not going to make
0: sense I didn't have an idea besides... No it's good Okay.
2: <laughs> what is our closing song and why
0: <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll let the song speak for itself This is you too This is for all the dumb idiot ladies out there Still looking for ways to clean their vag I'm sorry
2: Thanks everyone for listening I'm Andrew
0: I'm Elisa And I'm Laura
2: Goodbye actually um was looking for a cucumber song on Spotify and <laughs>
1: <laughs> all i could think as i was listening to that was ways of rewriting the lyrics yeah <laughs> like i have shaved these cucumber peels <laughs> <laughs> i have shaved these cucumber peels i made it look be like a car <laughs> if you If your person forces you to put a cucumber up there, it's time to break up.
0: yeah.
2: And on that note, let's start after dark. <laughs>